You're listening to Crazy Busy, the podcast for executives, entrepreneurs, and savvy fast trackers who want to start their week sane and end it that way too. Here's your host, growth strategist, executive coach, and millennial leadership mentor, Karen Bellantoni. Do you say yes when you really want to say no? In this week's episode of Crazy Busy, I'm going to teach you the how and why of saying no smartly so you can stop feeling like you'll never catch up and you can stop feeling guilty. Are you one of those people who can't say no even some of the time? I know it happens to me. It feels so good to say yes. We want to say yes because it feels good. It's powerful to feel like we can do it all. And ultimately, below all that is our desire to please people. We want to be that person that takes something off their plate, even if it means putting it on our own. We're looking for that wonderful feeling we get as the other person looks relieved, not really thinking because we're on automatic. So the challenge to saying yes instantly is that you aren't really making a full decision. You're triggered and driven by emotion versus logic and practicality. So this can just swell up into a bigger problem, leaving you at the end of your day or your week feeling like you really didn't get the important things done. You just pleased somebody else. Well, you kept saying yes when you meant no or could have said no. My first tip for you is called pressing pause. One of the ways I help people in this transition is to just take some baby steps. So the first step to saying no is to make some space between you and your final decision. It's saying maybe, right? Or could you say, can I think about that and get back to you later? I don't know. Let me take a look at my workload and and uh, see if I can get back to you later. I'll let you know tomorrow morning. Would that be okay? Kind of starting to bridge a gap between the yes and the no. That's a baby step, right? Getting to maybe or what I would call deferment of the decision. This will help you start the process of going into thinking and strategizing, looking back at your list or your calendar and making a rational decision about whether you can or can't do something. Actually looking at the request more deeply. Just this morning, a client sent me an article. They were ready to publish and asked me what I thought of it. And could I get back to them in an hour? It was ready to go to press. I said yes, because I love to say yes. It makes me feel good. As I opened the document and started getting into it, I realized that I had no idea what the context of the article was, who it was for, what the audience was about, what result they were trying to create, and I would need to get back to my client and find out that information. So there we go. That was another half an hour. As I started to read through the document, I realized they had just copied something that other people in their position had done, and it was sort of old in a dated style and dated way of presenting themselves. I really didn't like any of it and was now stuck rewriting the entire article because I said yes. And I had to deliver because I said yes. Their best attempt was not even close to what we needed to present. 
And truth be told, it would have been better if we pushed the due date out another couple of days and worked on it together. It definitely would have been better for me. I've learned that every time I say yes, when I mean to say no, I'm actually dissing myself. I'm breaking a boundary and a commitment with myself and it doesn't feel good. It chips away and it somersaults into feeling out of control in my life and business, which is definitely not how I want to operate. Let me tell you a true story about this. In recent work with a client, they're an agency and they work in a lot of bursts and fits. They run big campaigns and it gets super busy as the campaign's peak, it fades a bit and then a new campaign will start. What I found out was that no one, none of the middle managers were able to say no. They were just shielding their direct reports from large amounts of work and from senior managers who just kept piling it on. In fairness to these senior managers, they had no idea that when everyone said yes, they really had no space to get the work done. And neither did the middle managers because they weren't listing their projects, because they weren't chunking their projects, and because they didn't have commitments to their projects on their calendars, they actually had no idea how much work they really had. They were totally off track, feeling like they were on treadmills that they couldn't get off of. And I needed to help them get it together. We needed to get real. So I had them start keeping a log of their time with their actual work in it. When you want to lose weight, you start by taking a picture of everything you eat or you keep what they call a food diary. Similarly, when you want to start managing your time and energy better, you want to keep a log of what you're doing. You want to see how long it actually takes to do certain things. What you don't measure, you just can't move. We had them create a budget a budget of their time and actual tasks. When they mapped out the work that they had planned for the next four weeks, it actually went out six weeks. Ultimately, they were 50% over budget in terms of what they were able to get done, but they weren't even aware of that. Imagine that feeling of being in quicksand. Even though you make strides, you can really never get out. It's an awful feeling. They were setting themselves up for failure. Many of them burnt out regularly, getting sick every other month, which created a temporary shortage of staff, which created even more stress. Once we saw that there were six weeks worth of work that was mapped and trained to be squeezed into four weeks worth of time, we were able to go to senior managers and get requisitions to hire extra people and get some budget to put a few software programs in place that help us build efficiency and effectiveness. It also helped us do things in shorter periods of time. If you haven't measured something, once again, you just can't improve it. Starting by measuring your work and putting it on a calendar, as we talked about in episode one, is a powerful way to see what you need to say no to and what you can and are able to say yes to. That was tip two. Have those commitments on your calendar so you can pause before you say yes and you actually have some data to back you up. The more you actually say no, or buy yourself time with a maybe, can I get back to you, the more you're protecting yourself from failure. Once you start to feel how much more successful 
and organized you are when you haven't overloaded your schedule, you won't want to turn back to saying yes without thinking. So what do you do if you feel you just still can't say no? Well, here's your tip number three. Renegotiate. If you feel you can't say no because it's something that's really important to your biggest client or your boss or an important coworker, you might be able to say something like, I'd really like to say yes, but here's what that would entail. Can we renegotiate some of my other projects? In other words, I can say yes to what you're asking of me, but I'll need to give you back another project or I'll need to have a delay on the due date of this other project. There isn't a limitless amount of time and pushing things into the evening or later and later isn't always the answer. Remember, that's not the best time to do your best work and it's not a strategy for long-term success. There's a certain amount of time allotted in each workday and typically we need to work during those times. After hours really should be for exceptions, special occasions, big fat new client or a project that is worth working on with everyone late night, not just sort of becoming the day-to-day norm. If you're mapping out your work and it doesn't fit into your 40, 50 hours that you've allotted for work that week, then you know in advance you're going to have a problem and you'll need to start early in that renegotiation process so that the projects and the deadlines are met. As soon as you see the work doesn't fit, renegotiate it. Sort of like as soon as you know you're going to be late, let somebody know. Don't wait for the 11th hour and increase your stress level. As you begin to renegotiate with people, you're actually training the people who give you the work to understand that you work with intention and that your work is planned and plotted. And for something new to fit in, something else has to be removed. For those of us who live in small apartments in New York or other cities, we know we'd always like another piece of furniture another piece of artwork, but only so much fits. So if I'm going to bring something new into my apartment, I have to really strategically think about what am I getting rid of? Otherwise, I'm going to be living in clutter. I'm going to be uncomfortable and I'm going to stop appreciating what I have. The same is true for your calendar. I like to also apply this to my closets. So if you bring in a new dress or three new dresses, make sure you're getting rid of three. Somebody else might like them. And creating space and making space is a big part of the answer to some of your daily stress. It's also the answer in terms of having overflow. Sometimes projects can go from one stage to another stage and you just don't anticipate the extra time you'll need to put in. So you've got to build in that time, uh, overtime, overflow time and space into your calendar for the things that just take longer than we budgeted for, for the uh, extensions of time that some projects take and sometimes renegotiating those deadlines with others. Here are some great next steps. So this week, after you've plotted out your calendar, go back to episode one and implement that process if you haven't already. What I want you to do is just pay attention to how you feel. What are you feeling in your gut when you're starting to say yes, but you really want to say no? 
step back, take a break, say something like, hey, can we discuss this for a moment? Just buy yourself some time to get out of that reflexive emotional state and get back into the logic in your head. Get back to your executive function. You can even take your hand and put it across your forehead, which will kind of bring the blood flow back up from your gut and your heart into the front of your brain. You can ask the person, does this really need to get done today? What's the absolute deadline for this? You can show them your calendar and renegotiate with them. Is this something that we can move in order to make space for what you're asking for right now? Start introducing and training the people who flow work to you to understand that you're now more advanced in terms of your time management. You have your calendar plotted out and you're organized, so there's only so much space there for you to share. If there isn't any space right now, How can they help you make some space to reprioritize? Prioritizing is critical skill, but reprioritizing daily is almost more important. If you find yourself just unable to say no and you keep saying yes, but now I've made you aware of it, so it's kind of upsetting, then number one, sit down with a journal and think about the first memory you have of saying no to something. Try to get back to a core incident or an experience where maybe things just didn't go very well when you said no. Really invite that experience in and embrace it. Know for you that there's an alert system in place and that when you're reacting emotionally, you really aren't saying yes to the person in front of you, but you may be saying yes to whoever made you feel bad or got you in trouble when you were younger because you didn't say yes. Try to, you know, create a distinction between that original program where in order to be a good girl or a good boy, you had to say yes and try to create a new program for yourself. That program would say, when I protect my time, I reach my goals faster and everybody wins. Find an affirmation that supports you in creating this new habit, not resisting the old one. You're an adult now, so you don't need your emotional younger self driving the decisions that you make. If you can't locate the original memory, try to just locate the feeling. Don't resist the feeling, but rather acknowledge it. Thank it for alerting you. After all, your alert system is there to protect you. It has a great positive intent. You can even say to the feeling, I know you're here to remind me to say yes so I don't get in trouble. But being an adult, I don't need this alarm right now. It's safe for me to say no. By saying no, you're creating a stand for yourself and protecting yourself, your work, and ultimately what you end up delivering. Okay, so one final tip. One of the best ways to adopt a new habit like this, which is a tough one to change, but I know you can do it, is to start teaching people around you. If you have direct reports, teach them how to say no to you. Teach them how to show you what else they're working on so that if you really need to get something done, you can help them make space for it. Maybe something else can move out a week or two weeks out. But as you start to teach something, you definitely adopt it better yourself and your whole team will be a lot happier with this form of open communication. Until next time, Leave crazy busy behind and become the leader 
I know you were meant to be. Thanks for listening to the Crazy Busy Podcast with Karen Bellantoni. Next week, she'll be talking about the smart work strategy that smokers currently have a monopoly on. Tune in to find out what it is. And if you'd like to know how Karen can help your team work smarter, visit KarenBellantoni.com.